2: Block Talk
1: Radio. Change
3: will not come if we wait for some other person, or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for.
4: Lock Talk Radio. We the streets side
3: spend, it, over the course of 10 years, it would cost what it would cost us, it, 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 it would cost us about the same as it would cost for about, hold on one second, I can't hear myself.
5: David Graham hosts Stay Mad Radio, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. David Graham is a patriot who speaks about communism, cultural Marxism, Alinsky, and Islam. Also find very interesting guests, including former CIA agents, authors, and friends. Thank you very, very much for uh, for contacting us and uh, agreeing to join us here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. No, I appreciate it. And uh, as promised, with me on the line is uh, our guest, Charles Fattis. Uh Open your mic right now. Charles, welcome back to Stay Mad Radio. How are you, sir?
4: I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back.
5: No, that's... that's my pleasure. Uh, our, our pleasure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna break right into bringing him right on. Usama, uh, uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my joy to be with you, brother, and uh, hope and the praise that the Lord will use it tonight. Her name is Janie Johnson. She wrote the book. Don't take my lemonade stand. How are you today, Janie? I'm
4: doing great, David. How are you?
5: I'm fine. I think this is her. Right no, uh, is this Addie? I Hello? am here. I'm listening. How are you? Very, very nice to speak with you, finally.
4: Yeah,
5: it surely is. So catch this and much more exciting content on PayNAD Radio, Tuesday and Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern.
0: All right. <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to the... Dr. C Robert Jones situation report and uh here we are in another new year. Um when I started this show um last uh I think it was last December I had uh just me for a couple of months and very few uh listeners and and uh now I have over 55,000 listens. In the last year, which is pretty good, I guess. Uh, And I'm very pleased to be here for another year, at least for now. Uh, One never knows what tomorrow will bring, but hopefully we'll be celebrating another year of uh, Blog Talk Radio in 2013. But, here we are today. January 2nd, 2012. A.D., beautiful old town Alexandria, Virginia, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I am your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Wow, it has been a great weekend. I spent time out on the farm in Ramsour, North Carolina and Virginia and Georgia and places like that, And and I'm just glad to... Glad to be here. Oh, by the way, I am officially fifty years old, and it doesn't feel it. I don't feel any older. Uh, I had a milestone occur just um, a couple of weeks ago, where I had all four of my wisdom tooth teeth removed, and uh, I thought I'd be able to get away with keeping them forever, but uh, you know. They had to go, so they they went. And I have them right here in this box. (laughs) I decided I needed to keep them. I thought I'd be going with them. But, uh, well, here we are once again. So let's get this party started right here and right now. Uh, Freedom. Freedom versus fairness. Liberty Sun is in the house. Aaron is here. Binary Prince. Angry Mom's in the house uh evil clown we the, the a lot of the usual suspects are in the house tonight and I do appreciate it cuz I've been off for like a week I've been off the air for for a week uh and uh so now I'm glad to be back but here we go freedom freedom versus fairness now before we get into the discussion of freedom versus fairness uh there were some folks who listened to a um Milton Friedman um, clip, and by popular demand, I'm going to bring that clip right back. So for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, please bear with me here, or who have heard it, please bear with me here. I've got a lot of calls and emails and, and, and Twitters uh, uh, from folks who would like to hear it, uh, who heard about it and who hadn't heard it before. So I'd like to go ahead and play that for the folks who hadn't heard it, and uh, it's called the Free... The Free Lunch Myth by Milton Friedman. So, we're going to go ahead and play that clip and then we're going to get on with the show and talk about freedom versus fairness here on Blog Talk Radio.
6: the free lunch myth the belief that somehow or other government can spend money at nobody's expense I don't know how many of you have ever heard of a wonderful description of government that was made by a French economist by the name of Frederick Bastiat about 150 years ago he said government is that fiction whereby everybody believes that he can live at the expense of everybody else And that is the free lunch myth, the myth that somehow or other government can provide goods and services, can spend money, at nobody's expense. Now the particular form which that myth takes is very specific. It has two parts. One part is the belief that somehow or other you can tax business without consumers, or workers or individuals paying for it, somehow business is a big source, a big cornucopia out there that can be taxed at no cost. And the other way to form the myth takes is that you can create money at no cost, that if you turn the printing press, if you produce those greenbacks, that will enable people to become richer with nobody becoming poorer. Well, let me look at the first problem. Can you tax business? What's business? There's no business to be taxed. There are people. Only people can pay taxes. Can I tax this floor? Can I tax the building? The building can't pay taxes. Only people can pay taxes. So when you talk about a tax on business, it has to be paid by somebody. Either it's paid by the stockholder, or it's paid by the customer, or it's paid by the worker. There's no other way it can come from. There's no, uh, there's no Santa Claus, no Tooth Fairy that's going to provide a source by which the government can spend money that doesn't come from somebody. Somebody has to pay. And yet, over and over again, you hear the claim, oh, we, cannot inc- we must not increase taxes on individuals. We'll increase taxes on business. In connection with the current discussion of Social Security, this fiction arises. There is a fiction that the Social Security tax is half on the individual and half on the employer, Um, uh, that that the individual only pays 5.75 percent, the employer pays an equal amount. That's nonsense. That's bookkeeping, that's not economics, that's not reality. The part that the employer pays is part of his wage cost. If an employer considers whether it's worth his while to hire an additional worker, he has to consider as part of his cost not only what he pays to the worker, but also the extra taxes he will have to pay to the government. It makes no difference to the employer at all. If he pays the worker a bigger check and the worker pays a larger part of that directly to the government, or he pays the worker a smaller check But in addition, he has to send a check to Washington. What matters to him is the total number of dollars it costs him to hire an additional person. So the fact is, the logic is, the reason is, that the tax, on the so-called tax on the employer, is paid by the employee. Now, this has always been clear from uh, economic reasoning, general economic reasoning, but it has also been subjected to empirical tests. And a book, even from that height uh, high uh, from that uh, temple of belief in greater and bigger government, the Brookings Institution in Washington, published a couple of years ago, demonstrated empirically that the tax on the employer was really paid by the employee, that it was shifted to the employee. And it can't be any other way, as you will see if you think about it. So business doesn't pay that tax. And yet. Despite this, you have the great move in Congress right now in remedying the problem of Social Security to impose a larger fraction of the tax on business on the alleged grounds that somehow or other that spares a worker. It doesn't have any such effect. It reduces the incentive to hire people and thus is imposed on the worker. But again, if you look at the taxing corporate profits, The distinction you have to draw is between who writes the check and who fundamentally bears the cost. It may well be that an official of a corporation writes the check for the tax on profits, so-called profits. He writes the check, but who pays it? He doesn't pay it. Here is a poor fellow who may be earning a a, a modest competence. He may be writing a check for ten million dollars. That isn't coming out of his hide. Where's that $10 million coming from? It has to come from the proceeds of the goods and services which the enterprise sells. And that $10 million is $10 million less available either for cutting prices or for paying out dividends or for paying wages and salaries. The tax is borne by people. And for this reason, I must say, I have always myself been strongly in favor of eliminating altogether the tax on corporations. So it's open and above board that you are taxing people and that you do not conceal that fact by appearing to tax corporations. Well, again, with respect to money, can you print money at no cost? It's very cheap to turn out those pieces of paper. But does that get society something for nothing? Not at all. It's simply a different form of taxation. If you print money... People have more money to spend if they spend if they spend more money on the same amount of goods, prices go up, and in effect, everybody is paying a tax through inflation once again it's only a form of taxation
0: all right, and so I hope that uh, Milton uh, put it out there for you just right, and you know if 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 we only taught these simple Basic, (laughs) common-sense economics.
4: Oh, my God. Oh, my
0: commercial, my McNuggets commercial. No, no, no. (laughs) I love that commercial, but I didn't intend for it to play right then and there. So, let's get... (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Okay. Okay. Um, If only we taught these basic, common-sense economics... In our schools today, even in our mid-middle schools, high schools, colleges, simple basic economics, because all too often corporations are viewed as these peopleless, faceless, nameless things, these, these entities that don't do anything but suck in your money and keep it, and not as actual people, uh, people who pay taxes, people who represent other people who pay taxes and so on and so forth. And you know, as the first of five children, I grew up in a family where fairness issues were constantly bubbling to the surface. And it did us no good. Each of us pleaded in vain for relief from the unequal division of household chores and duties. And we And complain though we would, we couldn't stop the sometimes uneven distribution of rewards and presents. Our parents did more than reject complaints of unfairness. They were quick to condemn any display of self-pity. My father would say, life's not supposed to be fair. Stop measuring. My mother said, you're not supposed to measure. But this was long before a new obsession in American political life, raising concern over the issues of fairness. Many people have started to measure, and they're plainly envious of the good fortune of others. To borrow the words of a Japanese proverb, they have come to think that the nail that stands up is the nail that should be hammered down the caller number is 3478848500. That was the spirit of the Occupy movement. The Occupy movement on Wall Street in Oakland and many other places in between. Those claiming to be the 99% railed incessantly against the 1%. In setting out to make a public nuisance of themselves, the pity-me protest brigades led the let the world know how fed up they are with the unfairness. The unfairness of life. The unfairness of those haves versus the have-nots. And President Barack Obama, well, he, he has nursed and cultivated this same sense of grievance. In his speech in Ottawa, Kansas, he invoked fairness no fewer than 16 times, 16 times. In one staccato burst, he called for a tax code that makes sure everybody pays their fair share and rebuilding the economy based on fair play, a fair shot, and a fair share. How fair is that? How fair is that? Let, let me put the question another way. How fair is it to fritter away hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money on green energy companies like Solyndra, which has gone bankrupt? How fair is it to launch a trillion-dollar stimulus program that actually depressed the economy, leaving unemployment higher than it was before, and then turn around and demand a whole new stimulus program? How fair is it to go on the greatest federal spending spree in modern history, quadrupling the size of the annual deficit and raising serious concerns about the creditworthiness of the United States of America, and then accuse critics of being solely concerned with promoting the interest of millionaires and billionaires? How fair is it? To use hard times to promote the politics of envy when it is your own reckless rhetoric that has done so much to unsettle the business community and your own policies that have prevented a normal cycle or cyclic recovery from taking place. Folks, the president and others calling for more fairness  … through bigger government and higher levels of spending seem to have little or no concern at how their policies and ideas are eroding economic and political freedoms. They're calling for government government right to claim more of your income, to spend it any way it sees fit on silly job creation programs, as they say, that wind up going bust and leaving taxpayers on the hook. They're using fairness and the allegations of corporate greed and irresponsibility in order to justify a vast expansion of regulation and government control over business and commerce. And everywhere, everywhere, whether it is a local, state, or federal level, they aim to enlarge the public sector. Even even though that drains money, and jobs out of the private sector. How does that make any sense? You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call in number is 347-884-8500. And we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk more about this, this uh, silly season. Remember that? The... Silly season, well, that's what we're having right here. May you live in interesting times was not a blessing. No, the phrase was and is a curse.
1: We'll be right back. What college do you dream of sending your kids to? Yale, Harvard, Princeton.
7: Forget it. Those are the universities of yesteryear. The school of the future is COC, Community Organizer College. I'm a graduate, and I just took control of General Motors, and now I'm thinking of taking over Chrysler, too, maybe, or selling it to an Italian bicycle company,
1: uh, I think. Want your kids to run a giant company, or even an entire industry, like healthcare, banking, or insurance? Enroll him or her at COC, Community Organizer College. You
7: want your darlings to have trillions of of dollars of, of money to spread around? Apply to Community Organizer College. Our teachings are based on a major breakthrough in education. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. At COC,
1: Community Organizer College, we don't waste time teaching English, history, math, science, or business management.
7: We teach cool. We teach pompous. We teach teleprompter. Double Seducing the media. Community Organizer College. Where your kids can learn to run a company or a country. Who knows? Uh, Maybe the entire planet.
1: Community Organizer (laughs) College. Capacity is limited. Better act now for an application dial 1-800-ACORN-COC.
7: It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. Excellence in Broadcasting presents... Liberals of Genius.
5: Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr.
4: President of the United States.
5: You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time.
4: Ten percent.
5: No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love.
4: What were you thinking?
5: Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy.
4: Joe was misunderstood.
5: So crack open a good book. Sit on your butt and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr.
4: President, the one we weren't waiting
1: for.
0: All right, and we're back. Uh, may you live in interesting times. We, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report here on this beautiful January second, two 2012. I hope everyone had a wonderful and happy New Year's Eve New Year's weekend. Now, now the fun starts. Now the craziness begins. Now the chicanery happens. Now it all goes down because this is the year. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Oh yeah, now it all happens. May we live in interesting times. The meaning of that proverb, if you will, means may you experience much disorder. And trouble in your life. The origin is, well, while reporting, purporting to be a blessing, is in fact a curse. The expression is always used ironically, with a clear implication that uninteresting times of peace and tranquility are more life-enhancing than interesting ones. May you live in interesting times is widely reported to be an ancient Chinese of ancient Chinese origin. But is neither Chinese nor ancient, uh, being recent and modern. It certainly seems to have intended to sound Oriental, in that faux Chinese Confucius he say style. But that's as near to China as it actually gets. Confucius' actually sayings, actual sayings are as elusive as those of his Western counterpart, Aesop. We have no written record from either of them. The phrase was introduced in the 20th century in the form of uh, interesting age rather than interesting times and appears that way in the opening remarks made by Frederick R. Corder at the Proceedings of the Academy of Political Science in 1939. Now, why do I bring this up? I'm starting to sound like a history professor right now. It is because 2012 – is a make or break year for us. Two thousand twelve, in my opinion, is a make or break year for the United States of America. It is where we are at a crosswords, a crossroads to whether or not we're going to return to being a great nation, where whether we have a chance at survival as a nation, or whether we will be fundamentally transformed. into something quite different. So, no one, no one would pretend that the ultimate goal of free market capitalism is equal outcomes from different people or for different people, regardless of talent, effort, or sheer luck. That, my friends, is a socialist agenda. But neither is the free market, as the president suggests, a place where the rich prey carelessly or ceaselessly upon the poor, and where everybody is left to fend for themselves and play by their own rules. That's an absurd caricature, caricature try saying that three times fast, A free enterprise in more than 200 years of American history. In fact, the essence of free market capitalism is voluntary exchange for mutual benefit. People satisfy their own needs by competing to satisfy the needs of others. Does that make sense? It sure does make sense to me. Those those of us who promote the benefits of free enterprise do not believe that everyone… ...should play by their own rules. In fact, we're the first to say that everybody should play by one set of rules. It's called the rule of law. It's those of a more progressive mindset... ...who are happy to bend rules to suit their own view of how the world should operate. As we've seen with Solyndra and countless other examples of crony capitalism... Obamacare waivers for example and the massive failure of the housing market that come about that came about as a result of public policies public policies that required banks to make risky loans absurd loans to people with no credit or at the very most very little My late parents understood the folly of promising universal fairness Even within the confines of a single family. Let's hope enough people recognize the impossibility of making this the standard for an entire nation. Let's hope that the American dream is not about to be destroyed by the politics of envy. Let me give you another example. Jimmy Johnson, a former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, once said that he had a set of rules.  … … for his players. And not everyone was responsible for abiding by the same set of rules. For example, a kicker who showed up late for a meeting was immediately cut, while Emmett Smith showed up late on occasion and was ignored. Emmett Smith was the running back who ran for more yards than any other running back in the history of the National Football League, surpassing uh, uh, short only by Walter Payton. So there's a different set of rules for those who are deemed to be slightly more valuable <laughs> and, 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 in terms of production than, than, than some others. That's the way it should be. I myself, as the oldest in my family, wound up being treated, uh, well, pretty much like, uh, you know, I didn't have to do certain chores. There were certain things I didn't have to do. Once I became of a certain age, those things were left for my siblings. However, being the oldest in my family, I was responsible for everyone else, including everyone else's behavior. I was the enforcer in the family. So with some rewards, privileges come a great deal of responsibility. So here we go. What can we look forward to in 2012? Folks, I've put to you right here and now, everyone within the sound of my voice, that we are going to be living in interesting times. And remember what that means. We will experience this year – Much disorder and trouble. It's already being talked about that the Obama machine is gearing up for a no-holds-barred takedown of our political system in order to gain re-election and, quote, finish what he started, end quote. To fundamentally transform the United States of America will take many years, not just four, eight I believe that the Obama administration believes that eight years is a pretty good start to uh, worm the way of socialism and bury it deep into the American psyche and system, such to the extent, such such to the point that it will be very difficult to remove. And Obama is hoping that the next president, if in fact we have one, will pick up the mantle. and continue on with his progressive socialist Marxist policies, thus setting in stone for all time a socialist utopia here in the United States. I believe that the president, if he is reelected, will pretty much seal the fate of the United States of America. Ultimately, we will either succumb or we will…  … … wind up engaging in yet another civil war here in the United States. Those of us who are for the free market and capitalism those versus those who are socialist and hell-bent on taking what someone else has. That's the way I see it. I wonder if you see it any differently. May you live in interesting times. Indeed. We'll take a short break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I hope I hope that you will agree that this year I wonder if you agree that this year is the year where it all goes down. We'll be right back. The Iowa
5: caucus all night Hours, three shows from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. on the night, night, night of the Iowa Caucus. Join us for the play-by-play of who's up and who's down, who's in and who's out. Call in and give your opinions and analysis. Where else can you do that? Talk with a bunch of great radio hosts, starting with the dean of Blog Talk Radio, Tesla, putting on a special Tuesday night episode of. Socialism is not an option. Followed immediately by Dave Graham of Stay Mad Radio. Radio. On the 2020 network, joined by GGG Ski Rocks. Then complete the evening and find out the results on Conservative Primetime. You know, Conservative Prime Time. With your awesome host, G G T. January 3rd, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Be there and know...
2: Abu Sama would like to speak to you, CD. Okay, oh, no problem. I think i Come online. No Yeah, Christian Prince, can you hear me? Yes, I do. Go ahead. Uh, I was wondering, when uh, when we implement the Sharia, how do you want to be killed? Do you want the neck, like, straight sliced off? Um, I don't know. You know, for me, I prefer to be shish kebab. I don't know if you have different options. Really have you. Is that, a, yeah, that Abu Usama? He's still there, he's still there. Abu Usama, can you get a little bit serious and tell us what is your comment? No, no, you no, call? no, I want to see, uh, Sama, I want to see if he's making a death threat. Is that a death threat? No, it's a death threat. Um, is it a death threat, Mr. Abu Sama? Just promise, not threat, promise. All promise. Death oh, death a promise? So you, are, you are promising to kill me? No, no, I said when they implement Sharia Yeah I didn't say it was going to be me I'm just saying when the Muslims implement the Sharia You're not going to be able to pay jizya For you it's just a straight sword to the neck Yeah, but I'm asking you, aren't you a part of of Islamic Sharia law, And you will practice Sharia too? I'm not going to be the one doing it So don't worry about it Why, why, why? Are you a coward? Are you ashamed of your religion? Why you do not want to do it? No, no, I'm not ashamed, I'm ashamed of my religion No, 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 no. tell me, tell me why, you want to do it? why you don't want to do it? Are you a coward to do it? No, because there's people that are specialized in this type of thing. I don't want to do something where I'm not specialized Are you, are you saying you are, you are so foo-foo, you are so coward to do such a thing? You are the one telling me about it, but you don't dare to do it. But why? Don't tell no, you be, why. Because, because, you because you are scared. You are no, scared to say right on air, I'm no, going no. to keep if I get a chance to do so. You are a coward. Be a man and say it. The thing is, I want the reward for my brother. So I'm going to let him do it
0: all right i had no choice but to play that for some folks uh these guys uh that you just heard are, uh radio jihad it is a great blog talk radio show and that's just an example of what occurs on their show from time to time so if i were you i'd tune into radio jihad every once in a while just to get a good well it's very informative it's a very informative show uh and, and serious at uh at most times but every once in a while you get a, a scenario like that where you just riveted because you're listening uh to this kind of talk where a guys talking about chopping somebody's head off and and uh it's a very it's a very interesting show so please try to tune in if you can to Radio Jihad great program also of course uh 2020 Radio Network Tesla's show which is really great he is the don the dean of blog talk radio in my mind and um uh like I said, oh, of course, 2020 with, uh, with G-Ski, and uh, on occasion, uh, David Grahams uh, uh, sits in on the show. I believe he's there all the time now. Uh, those are great blog talk shows. I recommend highly that you get in on them and check them out, in addition, of course, my show. So now we've talked about living in interesting times, and we also talked about we, – we also want to talk about – the upcoming elections. Does anyone believe that Ron Paul stands a chance, a snowball's chance in hell? And why would anyone vote for him? He reminds me of my – an uncle, an insane uncle who's been drinking way too much on the verge of senility. I don't see much difference between Ron Paul and Jimmy Carter. They're both way too extreme. Now, I know I, I know there are a lot of folks out there who believe that Ron Paul is the man, that Ron Paul would make an excellent president. I don't agree. I don't agree in the very least. I think that Ron Paul is extreme. I mean, the, I, that's the best I can come up with. I mean, just outrageous. Who here, who, who within the sound of my voice believes that this guy – has even – I don't even know what to say. Are you kidding me? Ron Paul? You know, many Americans believed in isolationism during the 1920s and 30s, as seeing it as a remedy for America's ills and entanglements abroad, and as an anecdote or antidote uh, to uh, U.S. involvement in World War I. And I believe that Ron Paul is a throwback to those times, opposing global entanglements and what he sees as an American empire. Paul offers a foreign policy which amounts to a complete retreat from America's moral responsibilities around the world. He is a non-interventionist to the nth degree. When asked by reporter Jeffrey Scott Shapiro about America's interest uh, interest in World War II and the need to save Jews from the Holocaust, Paul said, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't risk American lives to do that. If someone wants to do that on their own because they want to do that, well, that's fine, but I wouldn't do that. Now, think about that statement for a moment. For The implication is that America has absolutely no ethical responsibility for any people anywhere at any time except its own citizens, self-interest, even if six million were to perish. Think about that. Why would anyone support Ron Paul? Angry Mom writes in the chat room, Ron Ron Paul, and havoc worse than than what we have with Obama. I believe that Ron Paul would be so much worse for America than even Barack Hussein Obama. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I said it. Ron, uh, they're both, in my mind, equally dangerous for this country. Paul's stance on American interest in World War II lets us know where he stands concerning Israel today. He's basically saying he wouldn't lift a finger to help our ally in the Middle East, no matter what the outcome, no matter if there would be another Holocaust. Indeed, he has stated his position quite, quite clearly, saying that Israel can take care of itself. And… That a way to deter Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons is maybe offering friendship to them. How does that work? Is that sort of like you're a bully on the playground back when we were kids, and he wants to take your lunch money? And he's hell-bent on getting that lunch money from the time he woke up this morning in the morning? And he says to you, give me your lunch money? And you say, hey, why don't we just become friends? Why aren't we, we're, let's just be buddies and share the lunch. Oh yeah, that'll work out just fine. Ron Ron Paul speaks of offering American friendship to the greatest state sponsor of terrorism on earth which has American blood on its hands and which constantly threats threatens to wipe out Israel. And it's theme song is Death to America. This alone disqualifies Ron Paul from the presidency. Why do we have on either side these extreme lunatics? We have Obama on one hand, who is hell-bent on turning the United States of America into a socialist utopia. And on the other hand, we have Ron Paul who is hell-bent on kissing everybody's ass as long as they leave us alone, I mean, this is the wackiest race. this is the the wackiest five, eight years in my history on this planet. I mean, it has just gone crazy. Not Watergate, not the Vietnam War. None of that. It's all going crazy and downhill. Over the last five to eight years, first of all, we have no clear-cut candidate ready to run against Obama. Nobody. We've had an up-and-down season. We've had uh, Newt Gingrich up. We've had Newt Gingrich down. We've had Ron Paul up, Ron Paul down. The poll numbers are fluctuating left and right like pistons in an engine. No one is the favorite here. Here we are a month into the season. The election's in November, and the g o p hasn't decided on a candidate yet and we have Barack Hussein Obama on one hand, Ron Paul on the other, Newt Gingrich in the middle, stating that he would he would disregard federal judges and the Supreme Court. Their rulings turn out to be what he doesn't agree with. What the hell is going on here? I would – as I've stated in other blog talk shows, I would no more accept Ron Paul – I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Newt Gingrich stating that he would disregard federal judges or call them into the White House to explain their rulings than I would accept Barack Obama doing that very thing. It's amazing. Barack Hussein Obama saying that he would call federal judges in to account for their rulings if he didn't agree with them or disregarding the Supreme Court rulings if he didn't agree with them. Imagine that. We would all be completely up in arms. But Newt Gingrich can say this with a straight face. Ron Paul talks about abandoning Israel and everybody else. Mitt Romney, uh, he's got the hair. He's not a bad-looking guy. But that's it. We have no clear-cut front runner. Obama is vulnerable, but we don't have the man. You know what we need? Everybody within the sound of my voice knows what we need, and what is that? We need Ronald Wilson, Reagan, and damn it, we don't have him. He's not going to – there's not going to be a resurrection. He's not coming back. But we need – We that's what we need. We need Ronald Wilson Reagan, or we need somebody very much like him, and we don't have that guy. Can you name him? Who is he? Who – who among this field of candidates even comes close to ronald reagan anybody anybody at all there's no one so here we have a vulnerable president ready to be taken out of the political the political scenario let me just be clear about what i want to say at least we have a knock at the door, ready to be sent packing back to, the United, back, back to Chicago or, 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 or Hawaii or wherever the hell he's from. But we don't have a candidate. Do we have a strong candidate? Does anybody believe that we have a strong candidate ready to seize the moment? Remember when we had Jimmy Carter? He was a dismal failure, wasn't he? Of course he was. So now, along came Ronald Reagan to set things right. Who do we have? It's not surprising that President Obama's re-election strategy is to cast himself as a middle-class warrior. What is surprising is that he thinks he can get away with it, and we don't have anyone to come out and say no. No. Mitt Romney's at 41% right now. Ron Paul at 15. Newt Gingrich at 11. When just two weeks ago, Newt Gingrich was the man. He was the Mac Daddy. He said that he was going to win and he was going to be president of the United States. Now he's trailing in Iowa. Big time. Third, it's as if the GOP is schizophrenic. We like what one candidate has to say, so he goes up in the polls. We don't like what he says the next day, so he's down. Who's the man? Who is the man? Now, Obama believes that he can get away with this middle-class warrior crap. The fact that he actually might say... Less about the fact that he thinks he can get away with it. He says more less about Obama than about Americans' understanding of economics and the Republicans' particular skill at turning smart policy into stupid politics. Right now, the Republicans are shooting themselves in the put, in the foot by not extending that payroll tax. Deal for two months and demanding that it be done for a year, they lost in the political strategy fight with a novice, a man who doesn't know his butt from a hole in the ground, can barely speak the English language without the aid of a teleprompter, can't string a sentence together, doesn't have an original thought, but yet the GOP fell into his trap. Over this payroll extension, never mind that the payroll extension will do nothing for the economy, not one thing, even if it's done permanently. Boehner uh, doesn't seem to have any idea what's going on, not as political savvy as we thought we thought he was when he was elected speaker. Who do we have? If someone doesn't step up to the plate as angry mom puts in the chat room if someone doesn't step up to the plate right here and now i i fear that president obama will be reelected i i mean that's just that's just what i think i wonder if anyone agrees I don't think that uh we have a, a candidate, a strong candidate. Now it's early. It's early. We have eleven months. But somehow, if somebody doesn't step up to the plate and become Reagan ass because the the reason why we beat well, well a major factor in how and, and how we won the White House from Jimmy Carter, was the fact that we had a strong pro-American candidate. Uh, A a candidate who stated that America's best days were ahead of her. That we were the greatest nation on the face of this earth. That we are exceptional. Not one candidate save Newt Gingrich is saying that. We don't have a rallying cry from a GOP candidate. They're bickering and fighting amongst themselves. Giving food for thought and ammunition to liberals and moderates. Newt Gingrich had it right when he said that he wouldn't have bad things to say about his his rivals for the nomination. That they were all worthy of being president. He just thought that or thinks that he's the best guy for the job. But but any one of them could be president. And that's the right way to put it. Folks, may we live in interesting times. I fear that we, our interesting times have just begun. It's just started. And that doesn't speak well for us right now. Now, quite frankly, I'm looking forward to the chaos just as much as I look forward to Hurricane Andrew back when I lived in South Florida all those years ago. Frankly, when I heard that the hurricane was coming, I was excited about it. I was looking forward to the craziness. I really was. I don't know why. Call it a character flaw. But this year, when the clock struck 12, stuck 12 for 2012 to begin, I found myself to be excited, looking forward to the upcoming political season because it's going to be a cliffhanger. Because what's in the balance right here and now is the United States of America's future, the solvency of this country. Hey, I want to – we're running out of time, but hey, I want to thank everyone – Who came into the room tonight, who's listening to the sound of my voice, who's listening to my show tonight, you guys are great. I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Come back tomorrow. We're going to have some more fun, and we're going to talk about some more things. A, B, C, C, D, E, F, G is in the house. And yes, we were talking about Ron Paul, kook, crazy man, out there where the buses do not run. Thank you for for coming tonight. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Help me keep the devil way down in the hole. Good night, folks. See you tomorrow.
4: When you walk through the garden, you got to watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow trail with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. You got to keep the devil way down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at his command. where well, you don't have to worry if you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan when the thunder rolls. We just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. so cold You gotta help me Keep the devil Way down Devil.